You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey folks, what's going on? Got another one for you this week. And I got a little announcement. Yeah, I'm going to do something kind of crazy. So starting, actually starting today, the day this episode drops, I'm embarking on a quest of sorts. And I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I'm going to try it anyway. As some of you know, I do have a very, very small YouTube channel where I put up demos occasionally. It's much smaller than my Instagram because I don't focus on it, but that's all going to change. So starting today... I'm going to attempt to do a video every single day, or at least drop a video every single day. There will probably be days where I record multiple videos in one day, just, you know, to accommodate life and whatnot. But yeah, if you go to YouTube, type in the Tone Mob, you'll find the channel. And if you want to come along on that journey, yeah. So for 30 days, the entire month of September, I'm going to be dropping a YouTube video every single day. Some of it will be demos, some of it will be vloggy type stuff, some of it might be uh, telling more in-depth stories about some of my instruments. Uh, it's I'm just going to kind of throw it at the wall and see what sticks and see what people like and uh, go from there because I'm honestly a bit of a noob at YouTube comparatively. I've done it off and on throughout the years, but I've never really focused on it. So the link for that will be in the show notes if you want to check that out. And yeah, search uh, the Tone Mob on YouTube. You'll find the channel and you can subscribe to follow along and hopefully I can get through this month mentally intact, but we shall see what happens. So yeah, one YouTube video every day for the month of September. I'm not going to be sacrificing any podcast to make that happen. So the podcast will continue weekly as scheduled. So yeah, that's what I'm up to. And without further ado, let's get into the episode with Mike from Native Audio. If any of you have been following that company for any length of time, you'll know that Mike experienced a pretty traumatic event that I actually failed to bring up on this episode because I wanted to get his permission beforehand. So we actually ended up talking about it very in-depth on the Patreon episode. And you can go to patreon.com slash tonemob if you would like extra episodes delivered to your ears every week. And sometimes they end up being the real gold of the conversation like this one was. So anyhow, it's still a great conversation. Still learned a lot about Mike and what makes him tick and what goes into his designs and his thought process behind the whole thing. So that was a lot of fun. So anyway, without further ado, let's get into this episode with Mike Trombley from Native Audio. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, a show about guitar tone and people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have Mike Trombley from Native Audio. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going, man? Dude, pretty good. Not going to lie. All yeah. things considered, I can't <laughs> complain at all. All <laughs> so, craziness aside. Exactly. You know, I look at other folks' situations and I want to complain and I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm fine. Oh, yeah. No, I completely understand. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, finally, I'm glad to finally do this episode with you. I, we met briefly a couple times here and there at various trade events, NAM and whatnot, and uh, it'll be fun to finally sit down and, and do this with you. We have we have just a couple degrees or maybe even just one degree of separation between us for quite quite some time, so it's awesome to finally get to do this. Yeah, exactly. I'm really pumped to uh, finally sit down and kind of just chat. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's start from the beginning. What's your story? When did you start playing and what got you into making the pedals you're making, which are not, you know, the stuff you're making is some of it's pretty advanced. So let's let's go from day one. What What's your story? 
Okay. Um, well, so I, I'm kind of a late bloomer when it comes to music. Uh, I didn't start playing until probably, I'd say, mid-high school. Uh, others seem to have just kind of grown up with it, but I didn't get uh, started in the music until probably like mid-high school. And um, then following, uh, I ended up going to college as an electrical engineer. And um, by that point, I was really involved in music, you know, playing every day, practicing every day. But I kind of wanted to figure out something that, I kind of had a nerdy side to me that was always tinkering, was always trying to figure stuff out. And um, I kind of, at that point in college, I think I kind of combined the two. And about that point, I seen pedal building and I was really interested, really curious. And at that point too, I was also playing with pedals. And uh, that's kind of where Native Audio was birthed. Um, Yeah. That seems rather condensed. What did you? <laughs> what kind of music were you playing? What 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 bands were you into, uh, and what got you into it in high school? Okay, well, so this would be uh, two thousand eight, two thousand ten era. So I was mm-hmm. really into uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, Incubus, really kind of uh, that kind of like nineties music, I guess would be mm-hmm. considered. Um, but you know, I really just kind of involved in the funk, the blues, um, just kind of classic rock. And, uh, from there I kind of just, I got really, um, I think this might've been just my nerdy side. I got really involved into the music theory side and started getting involved in like music lessons. And, uh, you know, I spent, I would spend probably about six hours a day, uh, just sitting down, uh, charting music, uh, you know, doing whatever I could to involve myself in music. And, uh, that's kind of where I went. <laughs> and then what about the pedals? What was the first thing that got you interested in effects? Uh, let's see. So, uh, it was probably around, let's see, when I was in college, um, you know, I was probably a sophomore in college and I started looking at, um, I think the first circuit I've ever built was, uh, the fuzz face, very mm-hmm. easy and simple circuit, but yeah, you know, something that you can just really have fun with. And so I started tinkering with that and then, um, I was like, Hey, this is really fun. And so I started kind of going along the whole DIY path of making my own boards uh using like copper plates and then just doing like wiring that way uh and then it wasn't till i actually just started selling these units to a couple uh couple musicians here in the dayton area i'm based out of dayton ohio too by the way (laughs) uh but i started selling a couple of these units to musicians around here and it started getting to the point where I was like spending three hours on one unit to build. And I was like, this is ridiculous. So I got to kind of, uh, I got to kind of speed this up. So that's where I started getting a little bit more into the design aspect of it. And, um, after that I ended up coming out with the mint drive. That was one of my very first products. And, uh, yeah. And you went through, if I remember correctly, I have a lot swimming around in my brain, so I might be getting you mixed up, but you went through like a rebrand, correct? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, correct. So initially when I started this, uh, started the company, I went as Red House Electronics and that, uh, the name Red House was actually birthed out of uh, a Jimi Hendrix song, uh, Red House. And Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just, at that point I was really involved in the blues of, you know, just a Jimmy nerd at that point. And, uh, what I ended up doing was just taking that name and then I slapped on electronics <laughs> and, but then, um, you know, as my products ended up evolving, I went from the mint drive. Then at that point I was in a band and the band was really, really heavy on tremolo. It was kind of like a all country folk type of band and so tremolo was 
really kind of heavy on the songs. And I was just kind of looking around the market and I couldn't really find a tremolo pedal that really settled with me. Um, at that point, I was using the tremolo on my um, Fender Reverb, on my Fender Twin Reverb. And, uh, you know, the complications with uh, tremolo is that you can't, it's hard to get it to pulsate with the, like, pulse with the band or the drummer. Um, mm-hmm. Especially because playing live, uh, you know, your drummer might be a little bit faster or slower than practice. And so it was always hard to really kind of dial in that rate of the tremolo. And so what I ended up doing was uh, I went and I have a background in uh, computer science. So I, I do a lot of programming on the side. And so what I ended up doing was kind of researching some of the architecture of uh, tremolo pedals. And then also in parallel with that, just kind of working with the electronic side. And so I started uh, working on code and then working on the hardware and uh, combined the two and came the heat wave, which is now dubbed the rising sun. And um, that's kind of what birthed kind of the more intricate effects, I would say. The, it's interesting that tremolo was the breaking point for that. Usually it seems like when people want to start getting a little weirder, they start maybe with delay, but this was based on a <sighs> specific need that you had. Yeah, exactly. And uh, see, the thing that was crazy about it too was at this point, I think it might have been 2012, 13. At that point, uh, when it came to tremolo and tap, there really wasn't too much on the market at that point. Um, and if there was, it either had, you know, um, it was too crazy of, I guess, parameters or either it didn't have what I wanted. And so I was like, oh, well, I'll just build what I need. <laughs> Why did you end up switching the brand? So, you know, uh, so came the mint drive, then the heat wave. And, uh, I think the next one was the running wolf. And the interesting, interesting thing about the running wolf is, so it's a one knob fuzz and, um, the name running wolf actually, um, comes from my this is my dad let's see my mom's dad so my grandpa his last name's running wolf and if you follow up the family tree uh you get all the way up to a man named running wolf and uh that's just kind of like i guess my native american ancestry so you know i came out with the running wolf then the next thing was the ghost ridge and the ghost ridge it's the name it's named after a an indian burial site which is located probably about 20 minutes outside of my hometown uh browning in montana and um and you know the artwork kind of describes kind of the the scenery or the um setting of ghost ridge and so you know as i started going on with these products they kind of started kind of developing their own um I guess theme, which was kind of relayed back to my Native American ancestry. So at this point, uh, I was like, you know what, Red House Electronics, it's not really fitting with the products. And right. uh, yeah, and so, you know, and to be honest, like Red House Electronics, uh, spelling that out was really long. <laughs> Uh, so I was like, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> you know, it was really long and a lot of my products, uh, the designs are one color and, uh, kind of feature a simple layout and a simple, um, art design. So I was like Red House Electronics, that's really long, really complicated. I need something that's short and just kind of to the point. And, uh, so I think it might've been two years ago, uh, I switched to native audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, like talking to you and talking to Mario, you know, how you guys both, you know, lie, you know, not rely on your heritage, but draw from your heritage to 
kind of create your products and draw inspiration from that. Did you guys talk about this at all? I know you guys are friends or did you kind of come up to come up with this idea independently? Um, yeah. So, uh, I think Mario, I think he might've reached out to me about two years ago or something. And, uh, you know, he, he just kind of hit me up on Facebook and was like, Hey man, I uh, love what you're doing. I'm a native American builder myself and, uh, what you're making is awesome. And so just from that, we ended up kind of, you know, conversing and, uh, just going back and forth. And I mean, we follow each other on social media, but no, we didn't really, uh, I don't think we really, you know, uh, I guess tried to line up our kind of background and try to lay that into design. I think it both, you know, for both of us, it kind of just happened organically. It's, it's cool. I love seeing yeah. people's stories integrated into whether it's their music or their, their products, their companies, whatever. I like when people have a history with things. It's, it makes things more interesting and it means more in my eyes. You know, I don't know if that is the same for everybody, but that's just kind of how I feel about it. Well, yeah, exactly. And you, you know, the thing with, uh, the, the pedal industry is there's a lot of products out there. Um, you know, a lot of companies, a lot of great companies, but you know, aside from being able to create these designs is at least with native audio, I'd like to, um, incorporate some type of, uh, theme, you know, which, which even just the company name itself, native audio, and then the products, they all kind of have drawback to, you know, my ancestry. So I, I don't know, I guess in that sense, I do kind of like to have some type of theme with the products. So, you know, from doing this podcast and talking to a lot of the builders in in the community and everything, everybody seems to have like some stories, you know, some things that have came from running their companies or or doing their whatever the project is that has led us led to me talking to them. They have a story. Is there anything particularly that stands out to you that you've gotten to do as a result of running this company? Um uh, running native audio. Uh, I mean, to be honest, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of been, uh, I guess dream job kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. you know, growing up, it's kind of, and you know, it's, it's so funny. I was listening to Mario's, uh, podcast and it was so funny, you know, growing up, I was never that sports kid. Um, I right. jumped in sports and by time the first, you know, first game, I either, you know, I, I pretty much just quit because <laughs> I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> and so I didn't really connect with sports uh, and there was just nothing I was really connecting with. But I was always that kid that was and I even go back to uh, high school and middle school, you know, I was setting up weird kind of things in my room, like, uh, to flip, uh, you know, with my, um, me and my brother, we stayed in the same room and we had bunk beds. This is back in middle school. And I was on the top bunk and I was like, man, it's so frustrating, you know, getting off the bunk and then going over the light switch. So what I did was I made a pulley system that was basically <laughs> just rope and, uh, it led up to my uh, where my pillow was so I could just pull the pulley like up or down to turn the light on or off. And, uh, so it was kind of really, uh, I guess weird like that. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, but at the same time I was never really fitting into different things. And it wasn't until I came across music that I kind of really connected. Then fast forward a couple years, uh, with electronics, I ended up connecting even more and then, when it came to pedals, um, they combined the two. And so I just really felt at home and being able to run native audio is kind of that, uh, I guess is kind of my story that I enjoy is just being able to connect the two passions, I guess. So your background, you said is in computer science, which definitely gives you a leg up in this new modern era of digital stuff that we're going towards. But you did start with a fuzz face. 
if you had a recommendation for a, a, a new builder or somebody that was looking to get into making effects, where do you think they should start? Um, I would start with the classics. Do, uh, let's see, Fuzz Face, Tube Screamer, uh, Blues Breaker. Uh, those are all the fun circuits, I guess, that basically, you know, you can tinker around. There's, I mean, each of those have so many directions that you can go in because I've, I've heard a lot of fuzz face style circuits, but they're all done kind of differently. So, um, I would definitely recommend one of those three, um, you know, cause that's something easy enough to get diving into. And with each of those, you could go into a wide range of sounds. That's a, uh... That's interesting. Yeah, because I I've I get different opinions on that depending on who I'm talking to. Some people are like, oh yes, you need to start learning about programming, and <laughs> the I for me like the idea of building a fuzz face. Yeah, I think I, like I can handle that. But man, if you you had to get me to start like looking at lines of code, yeah, I wouldn't even know where to begin or what to do. I would have well, absolutely no idea. Well, that's the thing too. Is like um, I feel like. At least with me, I kind of like, um, you know, having like little accomplishments. So having to sit down and read code for 20,000 years or 20,000 hours um, would kind of be disheartening. And um, I'm, I kind of like to see results. So as soon as I wire up a fuzz face and I'm hearing crazy sounds, um, it kind of drive me to even kind of dive more into the pedal thing, you know, as a new builder. Yeah, I, I'm like that too. I'm like a little bit impatient. Like yeah. <laughs> I want I want I want it now. Yeah, <laughs> so. that's exactly. And that's kind of bitten me in the butt a couple of times. <laughs> uh, so you say you're a you're a big blues fan. What's your rig yeah. looking like these days? Uh so I so, <laughs> so my uh shop here I have tons of fender amps. Um, everything from, you know, Deluxe to Twins to Princeton's. Um, but right now I've been primarily just running out of a Deluxe Reverb, uh, the 68 reissue. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, uh, I'm running out of the custom channel, which is kind of, I guess, apparently the tone stack is supposed to be similar to a basement. Um, yeah, so I'm running out of that Deluxe Reverb and uh, for I, I kind of keep it simple. So, like, I just like to have a drive, uh, reverb, delay, and tuner and a wah. Um, so, uh, I, I've been running the Ghost Ridge, uh, the Wilderness Delay, and then let's see, what's... Oh, I got a TS-10, and then I have the Dunlop Mini wah. Um, it's, it's a really mm-hmm. fun one. And then just a TC Electronic uh, Polytune Mini. It's kind of my go-to setup, I guess. And then a Stratocaster, I'm guessing? No, uh, it's actually... Hold up. This is a Fender Duosonic. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. So this one, I actually... uh, I went and I... My... Let's see, my grandparents, they have a, um, they, so this is, this is over in, um, Browning, Montana. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandparents, they have a lot of land that was handed uh, tons of natives on, uh, the reservation have like a lot of land that was handed to them by their ancestors. And, mm-hmm. uh, my grandma and grandpa have, uh, a couple sets of land and you know some of that land's kind of small and it's inside other land so it's kind of very inconvenient so the tribe is actually offering tons of um enrolled members i say they're basically hey here's a couple bucks of money if you let us have that small portion of land you know and um so my uh my grandma and grandpa sold a couple of their land and they gave some money to their uh, grandchildren and so i ended up getting like 500 bucks and i was like all right what should i do with this money i can either buy like a db buy something stupid and um at that point i was these fender duosonics came out and i was like oh man that looks really good 
And uh, I actually just ended up pulling the trigger, and then I got one of the Duosonics, which I love. That's a that's a much better way to spend that money, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like, it, and that's it, something you'll always remember when you look at that guitar. Like, that was basically from my grandparents. Yeah, exactly. And I I got there, um, I ended up, you know, it's kind of stupid, but I was like, hey, can you guys sign the back of my guitar? So I got both of my grandma and grandpa's signatures on the back, um, which is, you know, I kind of it's kind of like having that photo of like grandparents or like a photo of like a family like that you like to keep you know um mm-hmm. so that's kind of the same thing with this guitar um, that's not stupid at all don't <laughs> i don't think that's stupid that yeah. is not stupid that is cool i love that yeah. kind of stuff but you know what the crazy thing about this guitar is so like i have um i do have a fender american standard um strap which was like my baby for like four years or something. Um, and then until I picked this guitar up, which I think this is, this one's actually made in Mexico. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing about it is that this guitar plays so much better than my American standard. And, um, you know, I know that a lot of, I guess, gearheads would look down on that, <laughs> but this, this, uh, Duosonic, pl- it plays like butter. Uh, you know, I've never played a Mexican Fender that was okay. not at least very solid, if not yeah. great. Uh, yeah. Literally everyone I've ever picked up has been a good guitar, if not an excellent guitar. So I would say they're probably maybe the best bang for the buck out there. Because sometimes you get a real gem like you have out of the Mexican Fender <laughs> stuff. I, they're, they do good. They do good work. Yeah, for sure. And you know what I love about this Duosonic is uh, it just has a volume and a tone. And I'm one of the people that I just love simple, you know, simplicity. I just love when something's simple. And so having just two knobs um, and one switch, that's like perfect for me. So what bands are you listening to these days? Is it still the same? You kind of settled into that that blues genre or are you exploring out a little bit? Uh, I'm exploring out a little bit. Um, I'm really heavy into, uh, I guess, what they would consider bedroom pop. Um, okay. Y- you know, uh, I guess the gear nerds on here will understand, but like a lot of guitar that's kind of, kind of clean, uh, kind of mm-hmm. clean and then has a lot of chorus on it. So it's very uh, dreamy, kind of whooshy, washy, kind of watery type of sounds. And um, when, when I think of that genre, I think of my my friend Bob, who's in Best Coast. Like that's kind of what I think of. Well, maybe that's Coast. not exactly the genre, but that's who I that's okay. who comes to mind first. But that's just because he's a buddy. <laughs> so <laughs> no, maybe does, maybe does that's CF not stuff, entirely correct. Does he have stuff online? Oh yeah, Best Coast. Coast? They, they definitely yeah. He's the okay. guitar player. Okay. Uh, and Bethany, Bethany is the the main person that people know. Um, okay. But it's them two together. But okay. yeah, check it out. They 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 have really cool music. Okay. Yeah. And Bob is check. a pedal nerd. <laughs> oh, is he really? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, big time. Big time. He's been on the show before. Yeah, okay. he's got a he's got quite the collection. Oh dang. Well, yeah, I guess. Um, it's a lot of, um, and a lot of the chords, cording that I notice is a little bit more jazzier too. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I, I kind of enjoy it. It's, um, I, I guess I just like it just because it's something that, um, I guess it doesn't require a lot of producing. It's really kind of just raw. So I kind of mm-hmm. enjoy it. Who are some of your favorite artists in that genre? Um, so there's uh, two that I can think of off the top of my head uh, is Crumb. I enjoy Crumb. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, you know Crumb. And then uh, mm-hmm. what is it? Oh, yeah, Crumb and then uh, Soccer Mommy. Oh, I've heard of them, but I haven't heard them. Yeah, really. Which is the classic stuff. music nerd thing to say. I've heard of them, but I haven't heard them. <laughs> but it's so I true. <laughs> I've heard of, but I haven't really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's that's some good stuff. Cool. 
so let's see here. You, I'm trying to go, go through this, the things we've talked about in, in my head. Oh, I know, I know something I wanted to ask you. Out of all the pedals you've worked on personally, yeah. what is your personal favorite or the one you're proudest of? Uh, one that I'm proudest of. Uh, probably the Ghost Ridge. Um, I don't know if you know you or your listeners are familiar, but the Ghost Ridge is a multi-reverb. And uh, it's a multi-reverb, but it features uh, four up to four reverbs and then four presets. And um, but the crazy thing about it is it only has two knobs and two switches. So that's that's probably the one I'm um, that gives me the most enjoyment, I guess. Even when I just every time I uh, test the pedal too after building it, uh, I kind of just re fall in love with it. <laughs> Start playing it for a little bit too long. Uh, a like, little oh, wait, bit. I gotta get back to work. Yeah, let's just say like I I kind of set deadlines, you know, for <laughs> when I'm you know, going to build this when I'm going to do QA for this. And, uh, QA goes a little bit longer than expected, uh, because of that. The QA, do you do like a, a live Q and a or something? Uh, well, just, well, uh, quality assurance. So oh, like, quality uh, assurance, yeah, the different yeah. kind of QA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The different kind of QA, lots of different QAs, but that one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I guess that one brings me, uh, I guess that's probably the most um, the design that I'm in love with just because uh, reverb's kind of one of those settings that uh, it, you know especially this reverb is something I mean literally it can fit with anything um, you know because I mean you can turn all the knobs down what are the different modes control. you've got in, in the thing uh, so there's hall, plate, room and spring and uh, the ghost ridge and for each of those four reverbs there's three parameters there's mix depth and modulation um you know i guess those are kind of the star hitters for uh reverb as far as features go and so Mm -hmm. um it's really easy to kind of dial in something either like i mean you know you can set a preset and just totally dry sound um or you can have subtle reverb or you can have some crazy washy ambient type of um, junk. I love a good plate. Plate reverb really. I I have never played a real one, which I still yeah. I've been saying for years. I need to play a real plate reverb. But <laughs> when I go get a plate reverb setting yeah. on the various pedals I've gotten to try, I always love. I don't know if it's the feel of the plate. Yeah. I don't really know what it is. It just really works. What? I don't know. Uh, what? Like, what do you enjoy about it? It's like the the brightness or you know i i like the brightness i kind of like that it it doesn't feel it doesn't feel natural it doesn't yeah. feel like i've played guitar in like big empty rooms and experienced mm-hmm. you know what quote unquote real reverb sounds like and plates don't at least the you know artificial plates that i've played they don't they don't feel like that at all it's more about like how they respond yeah that uh, it's 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 a little more immediate and it f- feels fake in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> if that makes any sense. No, that makes like, sense. It feels like a a sound that couldn't be recreated any other way. I guess other than <laughs> you know an, an emulation or a actual plate reverb, but like you're not going to find True. that in nature. Let me so let me so, swing this by you, like so okay. I was. Um, <laughs> this is the stupidest idea, but I I kind of almost feel like it's it's something worth pursuing. Okay, um, so have you seen a lot of recordings where uh, people put like their amps in like like an empty tub? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was thinking, I was like, and I don't know, I, I might somebody might end up pursuing this other genus or something, but or maybe there's even something out there right now, but like bathroom reverb like i, I you know it'd be so cool to have a bathroom reverb pedal i think you should do it because yeah i've thought about this before and like you could run <laughs> vocals through it you could run all yeah. kinds of things through it like bathroom reverb i mean everybody yeah. knows that they sound better in the shower Th- that's like a, it's just a, it's a scientific that's my fact. point yeah 
that's my point. And so here's the thing though. So I'm like, man, you know, and I was telling my girlfriend this is like, I'm like, man, this would be so sweet to have a bathroom reverb pedal because I mean, just like you're saying, a lot of people sing in the shower and they think they sound awesome. And um, I've seen different recording situations where people put amps in the, you know, like an empty bathtub. And I think it would be so cool to have like a bathroom reverb. So it'd be kind of like, um, like short delay time. And uh, you would actually have the option to, because, uh, you know, the more, the more towels, the more, um, photos the more kind of stuff you decorate with the bathroom <laughs> the darker the sound gets so i think it'd be so sweet to like you know have a setting where like it's like subtle or you can like add more things to the bathroom <laughs> which in return like cut the high frequencies uh but yeah i think it'd be a fun little reverb <laughs> It'd be like this control knob that goes from the sound of Patrick Bateman's bathroom to the sound of your grandma's bathroom. No, it's exactly. just covered in flowers and towels. Yes. <laughs> and then in addition to that, you can like change it from like, you know, like an apartment bathroom where it's like the smallest that can be, or you can get like a mansion bathroom, like even a bigger bathroom. So like the delay time changes. I don't oh, know. Oh man. I'm just We're yeah. in this castle bathroom. Or it's just yeah. echoing off the stone walls. <laughs> the castle bathroom. It's haunted. Yeah. <laughs> haunted. Whoa. Haunted bathroom reverb. Yes. This is something never no, never before explored. No, exactly. And that's a like that's a idea that's kinda I have like, you know, the thing with the thing that sucks about like um well I guess not sucks, but I don't know. The complications of like doing the pedal stuff is like um you know, I have all these ideas, but it's like getting the time to be able to produce those ideas. And that's the kind that of is problem. always the challenge, right? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> How do you find the time? Cause you obviously do occasionally find the time. Yeah. Um, so at this point with native audio, I, um, it's kind of my second full-time gig. Um, I'm an electronics engineer for another company not a pedal company but just another company in the electronics industry but um <clears throat> you know i do that as like a full-time gig and then um when i clock out um i basically clock in for native audio and um but within you know the past couple months it's been kind of nice with the whole uh, well the covid situation hasn't been nice but i've been trying to take advantage of you know, that extra time, um, because my workplace has been kind of limiting, um, access to the workplace. So I've been trying to take advantage of that time and kind of dive more into native audio and dedicate more time. So, um, that's definitely been very beneficial. Yeah. I wonder sometimes if this is going to be a wake up call for a lot of businesses in that, like, I don't know, Maybe having a giant office full of people isn't really an expense that we need in in 2020. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think there's definitely advantages to working in person, especially on certain things. But it seems like you could have a smaller office with like, you know, a couple people that work there and then almost everybody else be remote. Oh, in yeah. Not every job, but in a lot of jobs. No, exactly. Um, yeah, it's definitely weird times that we're living in and i think um you know during these times we're kind of finding stuff not just about ourselves but even just the workplace in general um but yeah so i, I don't know i and i just try to take advantage of um that time and being able to dedicate it back to native audio so like i'm trying to think like you, you you're a smart dude like you're you're doing pedal engineering and yeah. you're doing like electronics engineering all day every day. Do you ever look at some of the stuff in the pedal industry and you're like, why do why why is that done that way? You know, we don't do it that way over here. We don't do this similar thing over here. I don't know exactly what your day job is, so it's hard for me to maybe I'm not communicating this effectively. No, that, that makes I know so in in certain things. I, I'm like, why is it done this way? Like, just because I have like a mechanical background, you know? Oh, okay. 
um yeah i guess i mean you know uh anytime anytime like a pedal comes out in the music industry um yeah i get are you asking like if i see something and i'm like wondering if it if that's how like i wonder how it works is that what you're asking well i'm wondering if you look at like you know for instance like i don't know say traditional true bypass switching and you're like this could be done more effectively with relays and should have been done as standard from the beginning or you know i don't know exactly because you know a lot more stuff than i do but i just kind of look at certain things that have become standard and i i wonder if they're always the best way to do things but they're just the way we've always done it yeah i mean so i don't know i think a lot of things come a lot of things come in waves um you know because I, I feel like um your example uh the true bypass i feel like that was a thing for quite a while um if it didn't have true bypass uh then the pedal was garbage <laughs> And, right. you know, and, um, I don't know. And even in that perspective, I feel like, um, you know, cause all, all my pedals now, except for, I think the rising sun, they all, um, they use JFET, um, switching, which is similar to like the boss style. Um, and so I don't know, I, I guess I look at it, the perspective as like, okay, there's different types of ways you can do it, but which one works with me and which one do I enjoy, I guess. And, um, you know, the reason I went with that switching is just because, uh, you know, you run longer cables, you do this, you do that. Um, it can change your sound. But whereas like my switching, um, it doesn't matter if you have a short cable or a long cable, um, it'll most likely sound exactly the same. <laughs> That's that's cool. I yeah. like that. Yeah. I I'm I have a question in the Facebook group when I when people join and they're like, it's true bypass versus buffered bypass. Yeah. And some people take that way too seriously. <laughs> they like write along essay. I'm like, no, I just put this in here because I would want to make sure you're not a robot. I, I don't like. <laughs> and they get so offended by the, the question. Yeah, they're like, well, you know, it doesn't matter. Or they'll be like, oh, it's true bypass every time. Anything else is yeah. completely completely unacceptable. I'm like, this wasn't supposed to be like a controversial question. Oh it was just to be gosh. like, just let me know you're not a robot question. <laughs> that's all That's all that these are. It's yeah. it's kind of funny. No, that, that is it, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh my uh, gosh. it's funny can't do you can't ask anything on the internet these days no. without it really you know offending somebody oh no it's um it's kind of a narrow uh narrow route on the internet there <laughs> well, i think m- most of us don't even know what it is half the time uh yeah <laughs> like I, I oh i didn't know that that was offensive yeah yep yeah. no that's exactly um i don't know it's, it's a weird territory for sure So because we do like to talk about food on this podcast a lot and this, you know, this, this is something I don't know that much about Native American culture. Yeah. You know, so forgive me if my ignorance is showing, but I do know that the reservation I drive through uh, to get to like um, different places in Eastern Oregon and stuff, they have this spot where you can get these wonderful fry bread chili taco oh things gosh. they call them tacos i don't <sighs> think they're tacos? really a taco but they're so good yes yeah but they're so they call them different things in different yep. spots so i'm not yep. sure like one pl- place calls them indian tacos one place calls them like fry bread tacos one place yep. called them like fry bread what did they call it like fry bread chili but it was the same thing okay so tell yeah. me about this how did this become a thing and why is it the most amazing thing in the world Okay, so I can't tell you um, where it came from, but I can just tell you that since the day I was born, um, Indian tacos is a tradition or like um, is, I guess, a classic meal, a classic go-to. Um, but yeah, it's, it you know, for your listeners, that Indian taco is basically uh, fry bread, which is just a type of dough that's been fried. Um and then you just top it like a taco with some chili. Um, but, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. they are killer. 
I'm getting hungry right now. <laughs> just thinking about <laughs> it. Too. I haven't Me had too. one in a, in about a year. Yeah. It will, <laughs> you, so, know, you know, it's such funny. an amazing thing. You know, it's funny as you mentioned fry bread and um, my mom and my stepdad, when they got married back in 2006, um, they, you know, um, you know, people have like tons of, you know, fancy kind of meals, you know, they get some, you know, some type of carry out or whatever from an awesome caterer or whatever. And, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> my mom and my stepdad, they actually had Indian tacos for their, uh, wedding reception. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. My, my poor relatives though, they spent all night like cooking the dough though, uh, making the fry bread. I mean, you had like <laughs> bags full of bread, uh, but it's it's just that good. <laughs> Do you know what it is that's different about the dough? Because there's definitely in in as far as I can tell, there's something different than just like regular bread. I don't know what it is. It just tastes so much richer, and of course, it is fried. That helps. But uh, yeah, is I, there something I, different about I the think dough? The key ingredient is grease. <laughs> Um, (laughs) yeah, that's, that's the only thing I could say. Um, cause honestly, like it's basically, it's like a, you know, has flour, it has baking powder and I, you know, I don't know. It's, um, but it's fried though. I think that's really the key component to that is basically grease. The greasier, the better, I think. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, it's a it's a memory I have a like going through that reservation to get to like going hunting and stuff. Yeah. And B like for whatever reason it was a thing that my mom would make up hunting and really okay. only up hunting. Like we'd be in this little trailer and she's like we're having Indian tacos tonight. I'm like yes, we are. <laughs> Why don't we do this at That's home? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you know the, the yeah. cool thing about so the fry a, bread too is that you can um you know, you can put jelly on it. You can put uh, butter on it. You know, I've seen people put powdered mm-hmm. sugar on it. Oh, my gosh. There's so many different ways that you can go with it. Uh, the butter and jelly on the fry bread is something that everyone should experience. Yeah. It's, it's it so really good. is. It's so bad for you, but it's so good. Oh, yeah, for sure. Are there any other hidden gems like that that people don't know about as far as you guys are keeping to yourselves uh what's that any hidden gems oh yeah you got any more hidden gems like that like Uh, that are that uh, like most people don't know about indian tacos uh, i don't think so you got other things that you guys are keeping from us uh berry soup berry soup's one that i really enjoy um tell me more yes berry soup so um it's basically, uh, it's basically just so like, um, you know, a lot of my family members, they live kind of up in the mountains. So a lot of them go berry picking and, um, <clears throat> um, you know, they come back with berries and basically berry soup. It, now it's going to sound really weird, but it's really good. I promise. Uh, but berry soup is basically just water with berries. And, um, if you want to get fancy, I think you can put it little bit of sugar in there but it's basically just berry and a little bit of flour and water um and it's and it's kind of like i don't know if you're familiar with like uh cream of corn but it's like cream of berry basically and so it's almost like a dessert type of um meal and it's really delicious interesting yeah are the berries like mushed up or are they whole ah whole so it's the whole shebang Hmm, that sounds like I could get into it. Berries are my favorite fruit by a, a long shot. I'm a big oh, fan of sure. raspberries and blueberries and blackberries yep. and all that stuff. So, yeah, I could be into the berry soup. I was thinking it was going to be like, you were going to like, I know it sounds like it's going to be sweet, but we actually put peppers in and it's a spicy oh, soup. No, I, was, no. I was prepared for something really wild, but. Yikes. <laughs> no, it's. Berry it, soup. All right. Yeah. We learn something kind of, new every day. It's kind of like, a, and then um, it goes well with fry bread too. <laughs> I was going to say that sounds like something that would go good on top of fry bread. Oh, I haven't got that crazy. <laughs> 
<laughs> but typically I just like, you know, rip off some of the fry bread and just have it with some of the berry soup. But yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Solid. Solid. I like it. Well, thank you for the education. We all, we're all yeah. looking for new things to eat around here all the time. Oh, for sure. <laughs> why wouldn't you? Well, cool, man. So we've got berry soup. We've got fry bread tacos. Yeah. What else do we got? So we talked about some of the, the bands you like. We talked about... Yep. All of that. Are there any like artists that you listened to that, that were surprising to you? Things that kind of like you were expecting something else and it became like a favorite of yours? Uh, so artists that I listened to that ended up just becoming like a favorite? Yeah, because I've, so, I've found that like there's bands that I went into and they're like called like some aggressive thing, you know, like. Yeah. And that it end up being something else. Like, yeah, one of the ones that really comes to mind from from back in the day was "And You Will Know Us by the Trail of Dead," and I was like, "Oh, it's uh-huh. going to be a heavy band." And at least the records I listened to, they weren't particularly heavy. So, yeah. but I really liked that band. So, I was just thinking if you had any, you know, things examples like that in your life. Ah, uh, what about people that I listened to that I fast forward i didn't think i would actually really enjoy is that like that works that's probably an easier question yeah yeah go for Uh, it (laughs) and so this is like literally this morning i was doing this um i i have a uh soft spot for new metal it sounds so stupid but uh I don't know, something about you, you throw on a new metal track and you just get pumped for the day. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. But, uh, you know, back in the day, it's, that was the music, uh, at least for when I was a kid. And um, now it's kind of got a cheesy, um, you know, you hear like, say, like Limp Biscuit or like early Linkin Park, you hear those names and you're kind of like, oh my gosh, that's kind of cheesy. But now I'm kind of like, Man, that's some good stuff. <laughs> so I, I guess uh, those are one of those bands where I, it, you know, it leaves a uh, weird taste in people's mouths. But after listening to it, I'm like, hey, you know what? That's not that bad. I mean, early Linkin Park yeah. is, I have said this on the podcast before, like that was my first <clears throat> exposure to heavy music. I, I heard... Lincoln Park in the car while I was waiting for my mom to come out of Safeway. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? This is incredible. Yeah. You mean guys can just yell into the mic, shut up when I'm talking to you and that, that yeah. that's okay? We can do that? I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> so I, I definitely oh, have a soft spot for, for Lincoln Park. But yeah. there's also, if you go back, so there's some new metal that I, it, I feel like it, gets a pass in mm-hmm. in some people's eyes like i think everybody can kind of universally appreciate deftones like deftones rule i don't know if you listen to them all that much but yeah they they were they were a smaller band out yeah. of that same same batch but man yeah. their tone their riffs they're they're a great band so if you yeah. haven't listened to deftones go back and listen to their Definitely. album white pony and you you will be a fan. You will like it. Um, yeah, for sure. I feel like early Slipknot somewhat gets a little bit of a pass too with some yeah. people. Um, yeah. But yeah, Slip, Limp Biscuit doesn't seem to ever get a pass. <laughs> <laughs> I have a soft spot for Limp Biscuit. I don't know what it is. It's it's good stuff, man. <laughs> it uh, is, but listen to actually, you know, I I mean, I get it. Like, I understand yep. why it's a thing that people would point at and laugh at, but actually yep. listen to West Borland playing and yep. that rhythm section. They're yeah. very good. No, exactly. They are. They're really good. Yeah. It's, yeah. Fr- Fred Durst is Fred Durst, but man, <laughs> the band behind him is very talented. Yep. <laughs> so, we're coming into the home stretch of the podcast. And uh, I want to give you a chance to put up a billboard, say whatever you want to say. If you got something to get off your chest or if you want to just plug a bunch of stuff, this is your opportunity to do so. Yeah. um, Well, 
if I could just get, you know, your listeners, uh, just feel free to check out Native Audio on uh, Instagram. Um, you know, I love all the support and uh, I'm always uh, daily, I'm posting something on there. So uh, the biggest thing you can do is support me on there and uh, check out the website, nativeaudio.us, if you get a chance. Um, but yeah, just... Just feel free to check out the videos, uh, you know, share some love, uh, comments, whatever, man. Um, I really appreciate it. Sweet. That's awesome. All right. Now we're going to get into the classic questions and hopefully it's not too controversial. uh, You know, we we can depart as friends. Uh, (laughs) Let's see how this goes. (laughs) So the first one is. What is your favorite boss pedal? Oh, what is my favorite boss pedal? <sighs> Dang, that's uh let's see. Uh probably I would have to say probably the CE2. Um that's the only one that's kind of stuck with me Ooh. for a long amount of years. Um I still got my boss CE2 with me. <laughs> That's a solid pull. C2 yeah. is a great pedal. Yep. It's it's fun. It. It's definitely fun. All right. Last question. Here we go. What is your favorite kind of pizza? Dude, I'm a classic pepperoni. I just I just like pepperoni oh, pizza. <laughs> Man, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with pepperoni yep. pizza, right? Yep. No, I'm I'm I guess I'm a good friend uh to have because I'm I'm very cheap. <laughs> When it comes to pizza <laughs> orders, you like your crust thin. You like it thick. Where 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 are you at with that style? Um, you know it's uh it's all over the place. I think. Um, I guess I would say like, you know, I have you have thick or thin pizza for too long. You kind of want to switch it up. Um, so I, I can have it either way. I guess. And so I guess that's even a better person to have on your side when it comes to a pizza order. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's perfect. That makes things nice and easy. Yeah, for sure. Well, right on, Mike. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. And this was a fun chat, man. No, I appreciate you uh, inviting me, man. I, uh, you know, it's it's been a long time coming, but I really do enjoy uh, finally meeting up and chatting. Absolutely. Well, everyone for Mike, this is Blake. And as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, folks, there you have it. Hope you enjoyed this. As always, just like I talked about at the top of the episode, if you want to get in some real, you know, meat and potatoes and some heavier stuff, we talk about that on this week's Patreon episode with Mike. So you can go to patreon.com slash tone mob to check that out and figure out how to get extra episodes every week. All right. Without further ado, let's uh, get you to another episode. You got other things to do. You got other things to listen to. Check out that YouTube channel. Like I mentioned, I'm doing an extra, not an extra. I'm doing a video every single day for the month of September over there on YouTube. We're going to see what happens. It's going to be a wild ride. Let me know what you like, what you don't like. I'm here for the people. So go check that out. Link is in the show notes for all that. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. 
Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstory as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.